everyone, and welcome to 7 Mile Chats, a podcast where each week I, Julia Struckley, talk with someone about a scripture verse of their choosing, and we look at that scripture from different angles. I'm a scripture teacher at a Catholic school, I've been a youth minister, and I have a master's in theology, but the purpose of this podcast is just to have a conversation about scripture and try to apply it to today's world. And today I'm walking and talking with someone I've not yet met in person, but is a fellow Catholic podcaster. She is one of the hosts of the In the Thicket podcast. She's a consecrated virgin for the Archdiocese of Ottawa. She has a background in youth ministry and just finished her MTS thesis on the theology of the suffering body. It's Erin Kinsella. Hi, Erin. Hello, Julia. Thank you so much for having me. I love, it's super fun to actually be on the other end of a podcast for a change, you know? (laughs) Yeah. I enjoy the being a guest sometimes too, a little bit of the, I don't know, sometimes it's more pressure though, but no pressure on your side for sure. Like, don't worry. You're in good hands. (laughs) That's good. That's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Is there anything else you'd like to share? Your your little bio is very impressive. You have so many intriguing things. So is there anything else you want to share with us or explain Man, to us? It's like, it's so funny eh? when you look back on your life or when you're doing a bio or you're, you know, giving a mm-hmm. talk and they ask for what you're introducing. Like, oh my goodness, like look at all the things that the Lord has done in yeah. my life, you know? So it's always a good reminder. Um, yeah. I, in the last few years, the, I think the thing that has been most present in my life is like suffering (laughs) and the topic of suffering. But Uh even just some of the, some of the things like I have um, fibromyalgia. And so it's Mm. been like a challenge to figure out what living with that looks like and um, like having to move. And I ended up having to leave my job and various things like that, but all, so there's been a lot of suffering, but so much, I feel like the Lord has opened my eyes so much in that, that there's, this whole, like the church has this whole beautiful tradition of um, what it means to suffer well, right? And redemptive suffering and things like that. But I think sometimes we just, it's like we don't, like we don't really understand a lot about what that means until the Lord leads us closer to his cross in some way. And then it starts mm-hmm. to kind of take on this picture of um, of even beauty, you know, which seems mm-hmm. crazy when you say it, but yeah, so that's been like a lot of the like my thesis. Yeah, was on suffering and theology of the body, and the podcast we talk about suffering, but not in a uh, not in like a mm-hmm. you come and you listen and you're just depressed when you leave, but like right. in a way that's kind of full of hope and humor and things like that. And um, right now, I'm writing a book on suffering, like what it means to suffer well. So if you are listening, please pray for me that mm. the Lord would guide and direct all of my words and possibly the reception of a publisher to publish it. That would be helpful. Oh my gosh. That is, I, I love, I, we were talking a little bit before we, we started recording and I do love the theme of your podcast being on suffering and I've checked it out and like, it is very funny too. And so it's not like morbid as you would think it would be, but yeah. we all suffer. And I think it's, we don't talk about the suffering as much, or we just talk about the negative parts of it. We don't talk about it. As you mentioned, as Christians, mm-hmm. we believe that suffering is beautiful and redemptive. And so yeah. I think um, to focus on the beauty and just, it's just a universal theme. So it's weird that we don't kind of not celebrate it, but at least honor it more. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, that's awesome yeah. that your life is 
it's awesome, but may I, you know, within reason that your life is devoted to this. <laughs> yeah, no, it is good. I have, uh, at first, when I was like first encountering deeper suffering, I do not think, I, like, I would not have been able to speak about it in this way. But then, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, like, there's just been so much grace in it and so much that the Lord has done it. Like, now I'm like, oh, okay, I can, there's more freedom in it, you know? And that's mm-hmm. what He desires for all of us. Like, everybody suffers. And he still mm-hmm. desires freedom for us. And if we don't um, learn what it means to suffer well, then we won't be free, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's so well said. But the po- the passage that you picked, yeah, is not necessarily one that like glares about suffering. So I'm interested to see, you know, why you picked it and where we can go with it. So I'm going to have you read. Um, you've chosen Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 through 33. Mm-hmm. And uh, whenever you are ready, I'll have you read that and then we'll talk about it. Sounds good. So I'm reading actually from the Word on Fire Bible, which is the NRSV Catholic edition Bible. Immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But by this time, the boat, battered by the waves, was far from the land, for the wind was against them. And early in the morning, he came walking toward them on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat, started walking on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he noticed the strong wind, he became frightened, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him, saying to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Okay, so I'm going to give a little kind of like where we're at in Matthew's gospel with this and a little context. I, I think this is a story that we're all pretty familiar with, whether people are Christian or not. They know the story of Jesus walking on water. Um, so Matthew adds on to Mark's account. Mark's account's um, shorter. Mark's gospel is known for being short and to the point. So Matthew adds this detail on the end about Peter, which is actually kind of interesting to me because Mark, I've, I learned that Peter was actually a source for Mark's gospel. So the fact that he doesn't include Peter's part in this is interesting to me, but Matthew adds it. Mm-hmm. And where we're at in Matthew's gospel, there's definitely this focus on miracles. Uh, Matthew's gospel is divided into a few sections, and this chapter falls into a section labeled Jesus, the kingdom, and the church. And right before this, he feeds the 5,000. So again, there's this kind of theme of miracles here and Jesus bringing the kingdom on earth. So that's kind of where we're at in Matthew's gospel and and how he adds on to Mark's. But I want to ask you, my first question for you is, why did you choose this passage, Erin? I chose this passage because it's one of the ones, like, for the Ignatian kind of style of scripture meditation, like where it's really imaginative prayer, mm-hmm. this was one of the first passages for me that was that really like came to life. You know, it's not just like, well, they're on the boat, great, and then Jesus comes and he says, I'm like, good, you just have to look at Jesus and everything will be good. Mm-hmm. Like, it wasn't, it was something where all of these kind of little details came out and part of the, part of the, 
I think beauty of like Ignatian kind of imaginative prayer is that it's not about necessarily getting like all the correct details per se, because it's not about like doctrine necessarily, but it's more about like, what is Jesus doing? Like learning to know Jesus more and to love him. And so then you can see like all of these contexts that can help you to do that, you know? Mm-hmm. So for me, there were a couple of things like, like when Peter is in the boat, he's a fisherman, right? So he spent his whole life knowing what water does. Mm-hmm. He spent his whole life like knowing how it acts, knowing what storms do, knowing how to, you know, um, like I guess do whatever you need to do in a storm to be safe or when you should go on the water, when you shouldn't go on the water and all of those kind of things. And then when he's in the boat and Jesus says to him, come, then it's almost like Jesus is asking him in some way to forget Mm -hmm. what he knows he knows, Mm -hmm. you know, (laughs) and like, which is such a funny statement, but, um, but not even that it's like, he's asking him to take all of the knowledge that he has about everything. And even the way that he knows things to function and to put it under the authority of Jesus who has power over it all. Mm-hmm. So it's like that sense for me, like really stuck out in when he's asking Jesus to get out of the boat. And then the other thing that really stuck out to me was, was like when he goes and he sinks and Jesus pulls him up, um, then it says, you know, and then they get back in the boat and the wind um, and the wind ceased. But there, it kind of leaves out the time when after he pulls Peter up and then they get back into the boat because it would mean that Jesus would have had to pull Peter up and then Peter would have had to again walk on water to get back into mm-hmm. the boat. Which is, uh, so it's like Jesus, he comes out and Jesus is leading in, him into this greater trust. Um, and then immediately again, he's like asking him again, like, okay, let's do it again. I'm with you. I'm right beside you. Like, I'm holding on to you. Let's go. And it like so often I feel like the Lord has worked in my life like that. Mm-hmm. It's like he'll lead you somewhere where you are going to f- fail, fail in trust. And not because he wants you to fail in trust, but because he knows that we need that that like dependency mm-hmm. on him for everything you know mm-hmm. um yeah and there was actually a we had a um a podcast episode uh, with Christine Moss and she had she said this line that i that has always really stuck with me that sometimes people say that god only gives us what we can handle but she said i don't think that's right i think god gives us more than we can handle so that we realize that we mm-hmm. can do nothing without him mm-hmm. yeah you said so much, so many good things there. I really, what stood out from what you just said is that God calls Peter to kind of forget what he knows a little bit about something. And that's, I know that's hard for me because I, I pray all the time about control <laughs> because I, I love to, mm. contr- I'm a teacher. I love to have control in my classroom. And so for Christ to to ask Peter to kind of forget what he knows about something that he specialized in, that would be really challenging for me, you know, um, mm. and the story is just so it is very universal. We started by talking about how the theme of suffering is something that everybody can relate to. And I feel like this story, too, you mentioned it's about trust. Right. And mm-hmm. and, I, and that's something that we can all relate to, too. I don't know. Why do you think that this passage is so I feel like I, I mentioned like my non-Christian friends, like they all know that this story. So why do you think this story is so universal for people? Yeah, I mean, I think it is because like in terms of of Christianity mm-hmm. in general, I think it's really 
universal for people because we all have that experience, you know, like we all have that experience of like, of wanting to um, put our faith in Jesus and trusting that he is, you know, leading us always and all of those kind of things. But then we always, we also have that experience of kind of feeling like the rug is pulled out from mm-hmm. under us sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like, actually, that's one of the things that I've been talking about with my spiritual director a lot lately is, um, is how to, like, how to let the Lord show me in those times when I felt like I was placing my trust in him or I was placing my trust in him for something. And then, um, and something even that I felt like he was leading me into, like he had arranged, like Mm -hmm. he had done. And he did the same with them. He called the disciples out into the boat. Like he told them, go get out into the boat. Peter doesn't just like, like, you know, when Peter sees him um, after Jesus resurrection, he like dives out of the boat into the water and just swims to him. Mm -hmm. It's not like that this time. It's like he asks the Lord to command him and the Lord says, come. So it's like he says, come. And then, and then there's this experience of him like going underneath the waves, you know? And yes, I mean, part of it is because he, he sees the winds around him and he starts to have doubt in that in that trust. But, but I've had that experience a lot of times with the Lord and yeah, just where, where I'm like, okay, Lord, I don't know what you're doing. And it can be very painful. So I think that's one of the reasons why it is kind of universal to people is that we we're all learning what it means to trust the Lord and even just to see how he works in order to lead us into a greater trust. Mm-hmm. But it's also, I think those deep things of where we have pain in our lives like this, like where it could be painful, like, Lord, you're leading me. You called me. Why are you not coming through for me right now? Right. That's like, that's a very universal experience. Totally. And I, I'm, so I'm the scripture nerd, right? So I'm like looking at Mark's account, which, um, you know, Mark's gospel was necessarily written first. So this is in chapter six of Mark verse 45. Um, Mark's is much shorter, but you had mentioned that like Jesus makes them. So literally Mark's first line at verse 45 says, then he made his disciples get into the boat. Like you said, yeah. <laughs> like it's very, yeah. I mean, he, he did this. Um, and then yep. Mark's, like I said, doesn't mention the Peter part at all, which is really interesting to me. Yeah. And at the end, Mark does this thing often in his, his gospels where people go away sad or they go away being told not to tell anybody something. It's very characteristic of Mark. So at the end of Mark's after Jesus walks or uh, saw after they see him walking on the sea, they think it's a ghost and they're terrified. And he got into the boat with them. When the wind died down, they were completely, completely astounded. They had not understood the incident of the loaves, which happened first. Mm. And on the contrary, their hearts were hardened. That's like the way Mark ends this part, which I think is really I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you didn't choose the Mark. You chose the Matthew. But um, I don't know. What do you make of that? No, but it is for sure. And it's like a being trapped in a sense of, again, like what we know we know, you know? Or like – I love they, that phrase. They, like, I, I <laughs> oh, man, it's going into the book. Like so it. that's what's like partly on my mind. Yeah, yeah. Um, but really, it's – I think it partially is that it's, it's, um, even makes me think about sometimes like working youth and young adult ministry, or whatever, going on retreats, you know, when you do that, or you have some kind of youth night or something like that, that's particularly, um, beautiful or full of consolation or the Lord did something in particular. And then, uh, I learned kind of in my own spiritual life and I used to always tell like the teens or students or whoever, write it down, 
write it down, what the Lord did, and um, then you can come back to it because there's always going to be those times, like even they've just seen Jesus feed 5,000 people and then they're in the boat and they're like, oh my gosh, you can't be God. Mm -hmm. Like, are you kidding me? You just saw him. Mm -hmm. But they didn't, there's like a part of the heart that is reticent to believe in, um, in the supernatural even, you know, like in the things that are, uh, that are greater than what we can physically apprehend with our eyes or touch with our senses. It's, it can be very hard for us to, to get to that place where we can do that, you know, and it's, and Jesus doesn't condemn them in that either. Like, even when he's saying to Peter, like, you have little faith, why did you doubt? Like, I don't see him, like the Jesus, the Jesus that we know from the scriptures is not a Jesus that's going to be saying that to him as a harsh condemnation, Mm -hmm. but as a, like, just pointing out a a fact in love that we can receive. Because I think we all have that experience too, right? Of Jesus kind of pointing something out to us like, hey there, hey there, uh, yeah, you're not right in this or whatever. But when Jesus does it, it's not crushing. Mm-hmm. Like it's not soul breaking, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, um, so I, I pointed out the mark because I do like the, the ending is just so contrasting, but I think it makes sense then with the Peter mm-hmm. part of Matthew that like what you were saying, like Jesus isn't condemning Peter, but they had just witnessed the the multiplication of the loaves. And so the fact that they don't believe, you know, that Peter doesn't have this enough faith or whatever, I think it, it gives it a little mm-hmm. bit more of, of context. But every time I read this yeah. passage, like something else jumps out to me. So even though it's, it's a very universal and we're like, oh, Jesus walked on water, like to really think about it and to really break down these verses, like it is there's a lot to think about mm-hmm. and a lot to take in. So I don't know. What else do you want? Like, what else does this gospel kind of lead us to? Um, what else would you yeah. like us to take away from this gospel? Yeah, I think there's a couple of things. Um, one is the use of words. Like I was reading a commentary about this, about this gospel passage and um, and the words for like the words that are used in Greek for seeing mm-hmm. like you would know more about uh about this than I would I think but yeah the disciple seeing in Greek is edontes which is to experience or perceive so it's even pointing back also to that that Jesus is not just asking him asking us to see the things that are in front of us with our eyes which is really which can be really hard because we live in a culture that's so kind of Cartesian you know mm-hmm. like we think that that the us who is us is just the person inside my head. Like the real me is like my soul or, you know, and then I'm living in a body, but this is, this is not the vision of the human person that Christianity and that basically humanity has, has believed, you know, prior to when Rene Descartes and, you know, the others around him were kind of um, putting forward their, their philosophical arguments. So, so even with that, that's, I think that's why sometimes right now in our culture or in our lives that we, we can have difficulty with the spiritual, with having like a sense of things, a spiritual mm-hmm. sense that sees with more than just our eyes, because we are subject to the culture in so many ways. And so we can experience in our, in our own, in our own selves, that disintegration between body and soul in some ways. And we need the Lord to, we need the Lord to, to kind of um, reintegrate that for us. Yeah. I love, I love looking at the Greek words and I don't know Greek. I wish I would have studied it more, but it's a very hard language to learn, but I love that 
because this was originally, the New Testament was originally written in Greek, there's so many levels and layers that English just fails, right? We only have like one kind of literal word for something that, whereas like you mentioned, to, to see there, that verb means more than just to mm. physically see what's in front. And so the fact that he's asking them to, to perceive and to take in everything they've learned, everything that they've experienced. Um, I just, I love the depth of, of that language. So I, I love that you pointed, yeah. pointed that out. Even like, it's so funny when I read this because even like, okay, there's this other word. I have no idea how to pronounce it. <laughs> it is a, a blepun. Yeah, I wouldn't know either. <laughs> B-L-E-P-W-N. But there's even that a difference between how, um, so the, the disciples are on the boat, they're seeing Jesus mm -hmm. and they're thinking it's a ghost mm -hmm. and the word is idontes which is experience or perceive mm -hmm. so they're like there's something about it that they are perceiving mm -hmm. and um, the person here is pointing out that there is something that is more than just a physical sense because it's dark it's super noisy but yet they can see mm -hmm. somehow and they can hear somehow over the, the storm, you know, so there's something more to it. But then even for Peter, it's like the, the language is intensified because this blepuin <laughs> Whatever, word, yeah, whatever that is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. However you pronounce that, you're going to get like angry letters from no. all the Greek scholars. We're like, come on. No Greek scholars <laughs> listen to this. No. That's right. That's right. <laughs> oh, man. But that word is like an even bigger intensification of of the word to see mm. because it's the opposite of blindness. So mm. it's like a spiritual perception and insight. And so Peter has this above all the other disciples, you know, mm. like the one whom the Lord will chose to choose to be the head of his church on earth is um, he's given this increased spiritual insight, you know, and, um, and the fathers like uh, Chrysostom, kind of saw this passage as uh, as a deepening of faith because it comes after the other passage where the disciples are first with Jesus on the boat and he's sleeping and there's the storm, you know, and then he wakes up and he calms the storm. And so in that in that passage, there is an element of trust, like he's leading them into, into a deeper trust. And then now he's leading them into an even deeper trust because he's not even on the boat with them, you know, and he's asking them still to trust him when he seems like he's not present. Yeah. See, I love, that's why I love doing this podcast because when you right? really break down the words language and we just don't get that enough, we just maybe see this, the surface of this passage. But if you look at the language that's mm -hmm. used, like that gives it a whole nother meaning. And I yeah. love that Peter gets his redemption, like what you just described of, of as Peter. Mm. I just wrote a, a blog article about just, how we are constantly putting each other um, in boxes. And we've done this, you know, this is part of human nature, but I think especially with social media, you know, we subscribe or follow certain accounts that are maybe lean to our liking or our viewpoints. And so then we start to kind mm -hmm. of define ourselves even more or like, you know, people tell us how, what to think or to view. Um, and just our faith in God, God is so much more complex than that. And he's created us to be complex. And I, I love that Peter mm -hmm. is, is complex. There's that depth to him that you just described that Christ clearly sees. Maybe we don't see, yeah. we don't know, but he knows. And I love that the text describes that about him without us even real, real realizing it, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, go ahead. Yeah. It's, I was going to say, it's so funny to see, like, I don't know if you've watched The Chosen. Everybody on this, like at least three or four guests, four guests have told me to watch this and I regret that I've still not watched it. I need to watch it. Oh my goodness. Honestly, I didn't, I I was so hesitant to watch it at first because, because kind of 
uh, Christian um, media yeah, stuff. I'm jaded. I'm when super jaded. Yeah. Oh, totally. Because I just I don't like cheese, you know, especially when it comes to Jesus, because yeah. Jesus is not cheeses. Like right. it's not. <laughs> he's just not. You need to put that in your book too. That's a great phrase to put that in the book. <laughs> uh, Jesus is not, not Jesus. Jesus. I love it. Oh man, yeah. But really, it's true. So it's like it's it doesn't. Um, it really doesn't do him justice or the scriptures justice or things like that when when things are kind of either one dimensional or they're just not portrayed well or they're you know. But um, but they've done such an excellent job, and I and I have to say that watching it has. Um, Watching it has made me want to pray more and has made my prayer times more fruitful, which is, which is something, I mean, I think everybody, like we all desire that, right? Mm -hmm. To have, to have kind of like fruitful prayer. And it really has impacted um, my prayer life just because it's like they've put on, put flesh onto some of these people that I've already read so much about in the scriptures. And I'm like seeing, oh my goodness, you know, like even, even Matthew, you know, the tax collector, like we're reading from Matthew, you know, so it's, it's kind of um, reinforced exactly what we're talking about here. Like when we look at a scripture and we see all the words that are part of it, and we kind of get to know these like layers of things that we don't necessarily see on the surface or, or hear in our minds or hearts when they're just being read, you know, on a Sunday. Um, like for Matthew, that he was a tax collector, seeing him portrayed as a tax collector who was betraying his own people by doing this and, um, and what it was like, and, you know, then what it was like for him to come into this group of disciples who are the people that he would have been betraying and what that relationship looks like and what forgiveness looks like in that and what reconciliation looks like because the two are different. And like all of those things are so nuanced and so um, like beautiful and fruitful to, to think and pray about, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. A lot, of, a lot of people have mentioned that particular scene. Um, so they must be focusing on Matthew or, or are they working through his gospel right now on the show? they're kind of doing like a mishmash of all the gospels. So they're basically going through, yeah, like the gospel story and, and just using um, scripture passages from each of the four gospels. Yeah. Yeah. But people, uh, at least like three guests have described specifically that scene or that depiction of Matthew. So I'm definitely going to have to check Mm -hmm. it out. But again, it just kind of what what you mentioned adds to all these, this theme of like the layers, right? Matthew, if you really think Mm -hmm. about it, he's so much more than just what the page says, um, so much yeah. more than what we've just heard maybe in, in mass. Um, so what else would you like to say? I know we've covered a lot already. Is there anything else you'd like to, mm. to point out to us about this passage? I think it's just that, that sense of being there. Like if, if there are people who are listening, who haven't kind of prayed with that in that, mm-hmm. in that sense of like placing yourself in the, in the scene that, um, that for me was one of the most impactful things, like personally, just in, just in seeing like the look of love in Jesus face. Mm-hmm. So um, if I place myself in this scene, there were, there are sometimes like I'll get like sitting on the edge of the boat about to go on the water. It's like, okay, this or nothing, you know, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like this mm-hmm. is it. Mm-hmm. Either I get into the boat and I sink and drown or, or like Jesus is who he says he is. And he's told me to come to him and I can go to him because he said it. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's that, like there is in faith that point that we come to where we have to cast ourselves 
into the arms of Jesus. And there is, uh, it's a faith thing. Like faith requires uh, something that is um, supernatural, right? Mm -hmm. Like there is a, a requirement for that, like something that can't be fully known. Um, and the Lord gives us, it's not like he, he calls us to be blind sheep or anything like that, but he, and he gives us a lot that the intellect and the will can perceive. But then there is a point where he gives us the gift of faith that goes beyond even that, um, so that we can, yeah, come to him in a deeper way, like know him more. And then even when like praying with myself and, and like, I can see, the look on his face, like when he reaches out the hand, you know, if I'm in the water and I'm drowning and he reaches out his hand, like the look that's there is not one of disappointment. It's one of love. Mm. And that is so healing. That's been, that's been super healing for me because I mean, we all live in this culture that's like very transactional, you know? And so like, if you do good things, you're going to get good stuff. Mm -hmm. And so often we inject that into our relationship with the Lord. And it's not like that. Like it is anything but a transactional relationship. So being able to see that look of love that doesn't see me with disappointment, mm -hmm. um, but sees me with love and compassion, even when I am sinking or when I have sunk is so good. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that we all, why we are drawn to this passage. I don't know. When I put myself in this picture, mm -hmm. I don't even know if I would have gotten to Peter's. Like, I don't think we give Peter enough credit. Like Jesus has, yeah. Jesus has made me get in the boat and I'm just thinking about how it's being tossed around and I'm just going to hold on for dear life. I'm not, I'm not getting out of the boat. Again, I have that yeah, like control yeah. thing and that. So I don't, I mean, I give Peter a lot of credit in this because I don't even, but I certainly can see what you're saying too, is like, I've been in that position too, where you know, maybe I've gone mm -hmm. beyond my depth or God has asked me to go beyond what I think I know, right. To go kind of go back mm -hmm. to where we're beginning and, um, and having to trust him. But yeah, I, I give Peter credit. I don't think I would have even gotten out of the boat in that situation at all. Yeah, totally. Totally. So I love his like, but then again, that's what, why Christ chose him. And I think that's why it's good that we're talking about just the layers and the depth, um, to go beyond. And, and Christ knows us beyond just what people see, you know, he knows that depth. So um, that's another yep. theme we can take away from this passage. So thank you so much for picking it. I really, I love, I love this because, you know, it's like, oh, why did this person pick this passage? Or, you know, how can I go beyond what I already know about this? And I think that we definitely did that today. So thank you. Um, yeah. At the end, I like to give people a chance to plug any um, websites or events or you have your podcast. So what would you like us to check out? Yes. So um, I would love people to check out the podcast if they're if they're interested. Uh, we we completed our first season at the end of April. So right now we're working on everything for our second season. So our whole first season is available for people and uh, all the information for it is available at inthethicketpodcast.com. So there are links there to, you know, you can get it wherever you listen to your podcasts, um, you know, Apple or Google or Stitcher or mm -hmm. Spotify or wherever. And then we also record our episodes on, on Zoom. So we post it on YouTube as well. So if you are like somebody who likes watching stuff mm -hmm. on YouTube or seeing the people as you're listening, then that's also available. And the link there is to our, is on our website as well. Awesome. I just, I think that you, like the, again, the theme, the theme and the focus of the podcast is so interesting. I do like watching your little videos that you post on Instagram too, little snippets. Um, and so definitely it's just a cool theme to, to focus on. And like I said, you guys bring humor 
to it and it's something that we can all relate to. So definitely go and check that out, everyone. Um, you all can find me on Instagram at 7 Mile Chats, all spell spelled out. Also on Twitter at Ms. Struckley, M-S-S-T-R-U-K-E-L-Y-1. If you want to ask me questions or be a guest, I'd love to hear from you. But again, Erin, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me, Julia. Bye, everyone. <laughs>